We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. What is up, Nets fans? Welcome to the Brooklyn Buzz. I'm your host, Nick Faye. With me, as always, Jack Manuel. Jack, what's up? Let's stop all the pleasantries, Nick. we got a lot to get to. Yes, the Nets do not stop, and you wake up on Monday morning, and all of a sudden they got new jerseys and new court design. What else they got, Jack? Like that, That's what we're going to start with, my friend. We'll start with the court. We'll start with the new white kooky jerseys. Uh, what were your thoughts and immediate reactions after seeing the Zach Lowe piece? Um, you know, I saw the court design. Somebody had tweeted out, and I think Corey both tagged us in it, and you saw it on 2K, and you're like, oh, okay, maybe the Nets are cooking something up. You know, it's been known that 2K kind of drops things accidentally beforehand. So I kind of had an idea about it, but when I saw it confirmed, I really liked it. I really liked the court because it's just something different, something specific for Barclays that kind of makes it more memorable as a different arena in the NBA. And then the Kogi jerseys I was excited about because I know a lot of talk this summer has been like, oh, the Nets aren't going to have these jerseys anymore. They were so cool. And now they're just bringing them back in the white version, which is pretty cool, too. Obviously, we both talked about it. We kind of prefer the black ones, but the white ones are still nice, too. So just the Nets and that marketing team are really working hard. Yeah, and the fact that, I mean, the white ones are coming back and the, the Kooki-inspired jerseys are there. Um, obviously, in the Zach Lowe piece, it, they said that that um, lawsuit had no merit. So, obviously, if we're going ahead with, you know, changing the colorways, um, obviously, that um, we could see the black ones uh, in the near future as well. Maybe we see when KD comes back in 2020, 2021, um, when we're really sort of popping. But, Nick... How did it feel to know that uh, Sean Marks, a.k.a. Sean Van Gogh, was uh, a big part (laughs) of this design process? It's pretty cool to think about that Sean Marks has the time to do this, considering the type of summer he's had and the job he's already done with the Nets from a personnel standpoint, not only with the players, but the front office constantly making changes. He had the extra time to kind of push forward this court design. It's really impressive, and it kind of just tells you Sean Marks cares about the Nets as a whole, not just as, you know, win games, but he wants the brand and the organization and the culture to be the best of the best. Yeah, and it's just 
I mean, he's a general manager. Like, that, that his job is to focus on player personnel and the team's future. But it shows, you know, the he's going above and beyond his pay grade. That's, that's for sure. Um, and, yeah, the design, you know, you go to all the design team. Um, they've done a fantastic job. Uh, the subway sort of uh, lettering as well at the end of the court saying Brooklyn Nets I think is really cool. I know Zach Lowe was a big fan of that when it was the sort of tiled pieces. But I think you see a lot more of that in sort of the Manhattan uh, subway stops. And I'm sounding like literally like a New Yorker because I've, I've taken the subway <laughs> so consistently. But, you know, when you get off at Atlantic, you see that. I think it's Helvetica, the sort of font, you know, arriving at Atlantic Avenue, Barclays Center. Um, so I'm really happy with just the overall cohesion of it. I like the little white trimming as well. And then the black is still very prevalent because I think that, you know, we're both fans of black. And I think black, or that sort of slick style really does uh, represent. And it was sort of the first thing. And you think of when you think of the Brooklyn Nets when Jay-Z sort of came in and sort of started branding the team overall. Yeah, and I agree. And I think it just has such a positive impact. And then I also heard somebody recommend this online, which I think would really be cool. If they use like subway sounds on the PA system, like the kind of matchup where the court in the Brooklyn feel. So I don't know. There's definitely a lot of avenues. And I doubt this is the last marketing thing we'll see. Not to mention, we just talked a few episodes ago about the giveaways they're having on different nights from the Marvel bobbleheads to the trading cards to the Kyrie jersey. They're definitely looking to improve the fan experience, and that's something a uh, new CEO Dave Levy has talked about. Yeah, and I mean, you transitioned nicely. I was going to go somewhere else because yeah, you're you're booming on Twitter, but we'll have to get to that one a little bit later. But um, Nick David Levy, uh, the site we sort of touched on it a little bit, uh, but he's already talking about you know marketing possibilities. And one of the ones that I think stuck out to me was the fact that you know a sort of comeback sort of thing relating to Kevin Durant. Uh, I don't see the fact that the Nets will be able to get there because I think that if anything, Kevin's going to probably want that for his own sort of 35 business ventures. Yeah, it'll be interesting. I think they can just kind of uh, tease it. You know, if you remember last year, they did a great job kind of teasing Karis LeVert's return with just dropping a photo here and there, having him in a video clip. And the next thing you know, he got his own workout video and it kind of signaled he'd be back. But you're right. There's definitely going to probably be a little bit of something with the boardroom or maybe it can be a combined project, the collab thing. And, you know, Kevin Durant, obviously trying to take that business to the next level. He's already doing great, but a collab with an NBA team, especially his own NBA team, could be really cool. Definitely. And I'm going to take a few quotes from the Stephen Bondi uh, New York Daily piece, uh, Daily News piece, and get your reaction from it. Uh, And this is in relation to the television market. Uh, The number one television market in the world wasn't playing well. Now you put the number one television market in a winning situation. I guarantee, yes, ratings will go up. And I guarantee you the national ratings when they put the Brooklyn Nets will go up. That's the kind of influence you can have when a person like Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, we have a bunch of real stars now. Yeah, and this is something we've talked about all summer long since they've signed KD and Kyrie. It's been the brand power of those two players, and they're both must-see players. And we know Kevin Durant's not going to be playing majority of the season. There's a possibility he could be back at the end. But Kyrie is a guy that you just want to watch because he'll have nights where he just goes off. We discussed it in his uh, season preview, which we just uh, dropped a few days ago. But Kyrie is a type of player that he could literally take over a game, you know, on Tuck Kyrie and drop 40 or 50 points, have about 10 highlight plays, and you just need to make sure you're watching. Then also one thing the Nets have on their advantage, as soon as I get one of these viewers watching the Nets on Yes Network, they have a great broadcast team that's just going to suck you right in for the rest of the season. Yeah, and I mean... Uh, it was going to be a topic of mine, but I think we can sort of touch on it a little bit now rather than sort of dive deep into it. But uh, the Los Angeles Clippers were certainly interested and heavily interested in our uh, broadcast team, trying to put the offers out there to Iron Eagle, Sarah Kustok and Richard Jefferson. They end up getting uh, baby baby Eagle, which was still a cool thing. But, um, you know, it shows 
how well respected they are, not just by Nets fans, but I think that you know we know the NBA community overall has a really high level of respect for the for the Yes Network team. Yeah, they're really just elite in terms of broadcast team. Iron Eagle is arguably the best, if not top five, top three. Sarah's been on a ton of different podcasts, and she's even had some TV things, I think, on Fox Fox Go or whatever it is on Undisputed. So that team, and then Richard Jefferson's a guy who's come in recently a player, and he also has such a carefree mentality because he doesn't really need the job. So he gives you a different perspective that you're just not going to catch anywhere else. So just having that amount of talent, and then Michael Grady, who's just great with his player interviews, we're lucky to have them because you watch some of these other broadcasts and they're either really biased or they just don't know what they're talking about. Yeah, and shout out to Ryan Rucco as well, who is yeah. just a stud across all sports. And shout I mean, out to Ryan that... Rucco. He's 845. He's from the same town as me. So There you go. Uh, a postcode. I have no idea what that actually <laughs> means. Um, but uh, we'll continue. We'll get to some uh, more Dan Levy's quotes before we get to some other news. Um, and this was sort of... Him, and we know that he was the former CEO of TNT, and he's trying to sort of capitalize and make Brooklyn this destination. And he said, make Brooklyn a destination for all people in the New York area for sure, and to build out the Brooklyn brand globally. The NBA has done a terrific job of making the sport a global brand. I think they've done because they figured out very quickly that it's not just about sports, it's about pop culture, it's about fashion, it's about music, and that's a four-legged stool. And you think about what Brooklyn is about, that's the exact vibe of this city. It's true. I mean, the NBA is probably the league that allows the players to be themselves and you know the most about them almost as as people because the, the between the different podcasts, the interviews, some of them are rappers, you know, definitely the style is a big thing in the NBA. So it's like everything is connected and you see a lot of NBA, NBA players have relationships with celebrities being rap, rappers, actors, whatever it may be. So I think the connection is really there. And then you mentioned Brooklyn, just having that vibe of being cool, like Brooklyn is just cool. So I think all of that pushed together. And then you mentioned Levy has such a great background with TNT to understand viewership and what you know, fans and viewers are looking for. Yeah, and I think that just by via these quotes and the understanding that he has of the NBA as a whole and how to capitalize that and sort of build the brands individually, obviously being on the national scale now that we have Kyrie Irving and such is certainly going to help that. And obviously all these little things that are happening with the jerseys and, and just the players that you can market individually, um, the Brooklyn brand is only going to grow. Um, you know, I, I'm looking forward to, to getting over to Manhattan at the end of October and sort of seeing, you know, all the all the sort of Brooklyn Nets merch because uh, I don't think we'll be seeing much blue and orange. It's, it's going to be a black and white city soon enough, my friend. Yeah, and that's a big thing, too, is kind of obviously capitalizing on this opportunity. We know the Knicks aren't going to be a great team. They might be competitive. They have some nice young talent, but the Nets are going to be the winners. They're going to be the team in the playoffs that have a real shot to possibly contend if Kevin Durant's back, if not this season, the next season. So there is a lot of hype, and the hype should be backed up by the young talent and the culture the Nets have. So, Nick, um, Spencer Dimon has got your byline. Um, why was he <laughs> quote-tweeting you? So ESPN dropped their top 100 list, at least the bottom 50 of their list. I believe off the top of my head, they got Karis LeVert at 60, Spencer yep. Dinwiddie at 76, yep. Joe Harris at 89, and yep. Jared Allen at 95. Correct. Yeah, and that's all what, what top the dome. What did, what did Spencer say? Or do you want me to jump on it and, and check his Twitter account? Because you apparently can't remember when famous people retweet you. You're just that boot. You're too big for us. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, Spencer hit me with a quote retweet today. He was ranked 76 this year, and he was ranked 76 last year, which seems really weird because he obviously improved substantially between the two seasons. 
Yeah, funnily enough, I'll give you know listeners an insight to what happens with when Corey and I did our sort of top fifty, and Spencer was pretty heavily considered for that sort of bottom rung of the fifties, and I think that that's sort of where he belongs. Um, Karis Avert, um, a guy we had at forty nine. Um, I think that that is fair. You know, I think you could probably have Karras in the 50s, but I think he's better than the 60s. And I think Spencer Dinwiddie um, is a lot close in terms of uh, like if they. I didn't look. I haven't looked at the list yet in 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 depth. I've just been too busy sort of thinking about net stuff and net news and collating stuff for the news pod today. But uh, it seems like an unfair ranking. But you know, the Sports Illustrated rankings. We've got plenty of uh, criticism for some of our rankings as well. Um, you know, it's subjective. It creates this sort of the this these conversations, and it's fun because uh, Spencer Dibbity now knows that at OTG at OTG Nick exists on Twitter. Yes, it is, and it, I think he's actually favored a couple of my tweets in the past. But Spence at seventy six, and I looked at the list. I didn't dive like deep into it, but right off the top of my head, there's easily five guys he can jump, no question. And I think there's even an argument for him to jump maybe ten guys and get closer to sixty than seventy. Yeah, I think that that probably makes sense. You know, again. My bias in the sense that because we had sort of Lou Williams in our, in our 40s as well. And I think that, you know, I value Spencer Dinwiddie as a sort of six man. And when you're looking at premier six man in today's NBA, you know, you look at, you know, Jamal Crawford in previous years. Lou Williams has established himself as that sort of uh, next contender. But Spencer Dinwiddie, I think, is really uh, making a name for himself there and, you know, really embracing that new role. And Carol Sabert at 60, uh, before we move on to a bit of Carmelo Anthony news, surely that made you a little bit upset, my boy. Yeah, I felt like, um, you know, he could have definitely been higher probably in the top 50, but I understand, you know, why they didn't have him higher because last year was such a small sample size like we discussed on the Karis LeVert season preview. But uh, obviously he's going to jump on this list and jump a good amount. Definitely. Uh, and I guess were we'll were you happy, though? I got to ask you. Don't try to get out of here. You got Joe Harris at 89 and make top which is good for Joe considering he wasn't on the radar last year. Look, he's 88 spots too low. Um, <laughs> um, no, but I, I'm pretty happy because I think Joe Harris is is certainly a top 100 player in the league. You know, I haven't looked at the list at all yet, but just looking at it overall, if you're to, if you're considering the premier most one of the most important skills in the modern NBA, being three point shooting and having the best season from that area on a really high you know usage in terms of the amount of shots that he's taken. You know, I think that if you're looking at like JJ Reddick, Kyle Corver, these guys, uh, Joe Harris is probably one of the best ones right now. I think that the playoffs left a little bit of a sour taste in your mouth. Um, I think that he was pretty poor then. Um, but if we're basing this off regular season heading into the next season, uh, I certainly think Joe Harris is is a top 100 player. Uh, it's interesting to see that Joe Harris at, at Jared Allen as well at 95, um, obviously projecting a little bit forward. You know, we had a question that we'll address a little bit later in the pod about him versus DeAndre Jordan and, and diving a little bit deep there. I've done a little bit of research on it, but uh, I, I'm... I'm not like uh, horribly surprised by this list, you know. Um, I, I think that in general, when you're looking for uh, more accurate sort of listicles and such, you go to guys that have you know in-depth knowledge. And I think when it comes to sort of not to toot my own horn and, and Corey's own horn, but when it comes to like guys from the paces, guys from the nets, uh, I think that we're pretty spot on in terms of how we sort of can assess. But at the same time, there can be a, a, a sense of bias that comes across too. Yeah, and it's just you watch more film of that guy than other people have watched of other films, East Coast, West Coast, whatever it may be. But I think overall, the Nets getting five players in top 100 is good because you're going to assume, obviously, Kyrie Irving is going to be somewhere between top 10 and top 15. I don't know if they'll put Kevin Durant on the list because he's injured. I don't really expect Torian Prince to make the list, but 
I was just surprised that Joe Harris and Jared Allen both made the list. I thought one of them would get it, but I didn't expect both just because the Nets usually don't catch that much hype. Yeah, definitely. Um, and I guess we'll, we'll sit with Spencer Dinwiddie. Um, he spoke to the New York Post uh, a, a little while ago, um, and he's talking about the Brooklyn Nets as a championship contender. Uh, and I quote, he asked if the Nets will win a championship. Now, listen here. I don't make guarantees, but of course I do. Uh, <laughs> Katie is the best player in the league, right? So I guess he's he's sort of the one that sort of started this, this Kevin Durant sort of um, rumor, and then obviously it was taken on um, by Brian Lewis, I believe. Am I yep. right? Yep. And then, then sort of created more traction from there. Uh, Spencer's making waves. Um, so he, and he, I, I'll, I'll end it with this. Obviously, we'll get to one of his other quotes, but he said, there's a chance to be a very, very special season. I agree. I mean, you know, I've been in a big believer that KD's going to play this year. I've been predicting it for what feels like a month now. So I think Spencer's right in the sense you need to have that mentality, though, as a championship team throughout the regular season, even though you might not quite be their talent level without KD. But if you keep pushing forward and play that way and play to that expectation, it's going to pay off when the postseason comes. Yeah, definitely. I think that Kevin Durant makes you a championship contender. Without him, I don't think the Nets are a championship contender, despite what Kenny Smith uh, thinks. And, you know, obviously he's... I think some of the TNT guys and Charles Barkley and stuff have showed the Nets some love, including our boy Spencer Dinwiddie in the past. So um, I respect their opinions just because they like the Brooklyn Nets. But um, this other one sort of stuck out as well, Nick, and it, it talks about just chemistry and such and how uh, the team is going to gel. We're definitely going to improve. We added talent across the board, but it all depends on chemistry and cohesiveness. That's always the trouble. That's always the elephant in the room, right? Yeah, it's true. I mean, the, it's how this team is going to gel. We know chemistry last year was through the roofs but not necessarily always on the court. It's not like every piece fit really well. It was about kind of finding the right lineups where guys could excel. And it's going to be the same thing this year. It's going to be on the players, obviously, Joe, but Kenny's going to have to find the right lineups, especially bringing all this talent in. And like Spencer said, you know, they improved the talent across the board. And there's also still the development of different guys in the roster from him to Karis to Joe to Jared. Yeah, and I think in terms of the, the sort of chemistry line, that's the one that sort of sticks out. Um, chemistry and cohesiveness, like you mentioned, on and off the court. Um, I can't remember. I think Corey spoke about it on, on the NBA outlet that's going to be coming out soon um, as obviously being one of the number one things. And, you know, it was the number one thing for us last season. And I think when we're talking about last season overall and reviewing it a little bit, you know, that's what got us an extra five or ten wins. That cohesiveness, that chemistry, uh, that camaraderie, uh, and it was reflected on the court. If they can build that again, then, you know, we can see some special things going forward. But, you know, things can happen along the way. And it doesn't necessarily mean that the guys might not like each other. But if there's some minor injuries and you just don't have the time with each other, uh, all these little things, you know, it's a real intangible. It's something that can't be measured. And I think Spencer uh, hit the nail on the head. And I think it's probably going to be the number one thing. We talk, we talk about the players, Kyrie Irving, Carlos Smith, all these guys. But, you know, we know that those, these guys are talented players. Um, how they're going to impact and how they're all going to gel and work together. Um, it's a team sport. And, and I think chemistry uh, is probably one of the biggest things. And maybe, I don't know if it does, but maybe it goes a little bit underrated when it comes to basketball especially. Yeah, I agree because, I mean, you've, we've all played basketball or at least some point have watched it where you've seen teams that are more talented lose to teams that have better cohesion and chemistry just because they're able to play better team defense or make the right cuts or kind of have a better idea where each of their teammates are trying to do. So it's important for the Nets, and they've kind of started this practicing in L.A. over the last month or so and continuing with that trip they have going to China, and then obviously training camp is going to be huge for them to kind of get a better idea of each other on and off the court. And then also this is where you're hoping that the culture of the Nets have built kind of pays off and helps build that uh, chemistry and cohesion. 
Yeah, and uh, I think I'll address the question of one of the questions we had on Twitter uh, in relation to today, today's podcast because I think it sort of speaks about building that chemistry. Uh, the truly cheap guy at cheap guy NYC. <laughs> um, uh, he's got a, he's got a good Twitter handle. Let's give it to him. Um, he was asking maybe something about what the team did when they gathered this summer. Not sure where they were, but heard a group gathered out on the West Coast. Um, I think we've touched on this a little bit, Nick, but I think we should reiterate it because I think it relates to the chemistry, and you know we've got to we've got to help our listeners out. Yeah, I believe that Karis LeVert said, I think Spencer Doherty might have said, even Torian Prince, that Kyrie Irving was setting up, you know, team practices and events out in L.A. So the guys were able to get it, get together, you know, play some hoops, also go out to eat, I think, a couple times, go to the club. You know, if you look at some of the TMZ stuff. Yep. Um, I, I was, I've literally got like a TMZ thing here that we're going to discuss in relation to Kevin Durant. But I, I think that this has been discussed um, by Zach Lowe uh, on his pod in terms of, you almost have to see, you know, the guys get together in the off season, or else it's like, well, are they gonna, are they really friends? It's gonna be questions surrounding it, and I think that, you know, this doesn't necessarily mean the world, but it certainly does help. You know, if you're looking at it, um, you know, if it wasn't broadcast, did it really happen? Yeah, oh, I have no idea, but you know, it's a positive sign because I think as well, you need to sort of, you know, meet up and sort of, and I think a lot of these guys have sort, sort of relationships already, and sort of you just feed off each other's energy. You know, when you're versing each other and you spent 82 games, you know. Kyrie's obviously been in the same um, uh, division as well. You know, he's got established relationships with a heap of these sort of guys. But, you know, you just want to get a feel uh, for each other's sort of chemistry, their little quirks, all that sort of thing. Because, you know, when you're spending months and months on end and, you know, plane rides together, uh, you want to get a feel for each other's sort of like idiosyncrasies. Um, so I'm really proud of using that word. By the way. <laughs> that was um, nice. Um, so I, I think that it's a, it's a positive thing. And yeah, I think the, the workouts will help. I know Mello is there. I think we'll get to some Mello news a little bit later. Um, but the most important thing is that, you know, Kyrie was leading this. You know, we saw you know, them hanging out at some WNBA games as well with Karis LeVert. Um, and I think as well, I heard, funnily enough, again, referencing JJ Redick on, on the Zach Lowe pod that he wanted to go to more dinners with his teammates, you know, in Philadelphia and, and occasionally in Los Angeles. But it's already started here. So I think that, you know, when you like your teammates, you're going to perform better because you want to do good for them. And you hopefully, play for each you know, other. Play for each other. And that's what we saw. That's what we saw Spencer talking about in terms of the 2018-19 team. Uh, hopefully that can happen again uh, because I think that if there is a really good chemistry, then we could see a pretty special season. Yeah, I agree. And uh, I think Spencer talked about this when is this Q&A on Twitter. It's about who set up the team dinners last year was Jared Dudley. And he did a great job with that. So it's going to be on someone to kind of step up in this role and set up things to organize everybody together. I think he recommended DeAndre, but then DeAndre was like, I'm vegan, bro. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I think Kyrie's on a plant-based diet as well. But like, it doesn't mean you guys can't find some nice vegan spots. And you know, I'm sure there's plenty of options around Brooklyn that I'm, yeah. I'm sure we'll have some of those options. And um, But we will stick on uh, sort of TMZ talk because uh, TMZ posted, Nick, that uh, Katie's walking with no limp. Yes, and that's always a positive. You know, just putting a little bit further along in the progress of that Achilles injury. And every little step is, you know, paying off. And to see him without a limp at this point, I think continues to add a little bit of confidence. And it just makes you happy because I think it's easy to be like, oh, it doesn't really mean much. But if he was still in a boot and he was still limping and he wasn't really progressing great, then maybe you feel a certain way that maybe it's going to take longer or it's going to harm him further along in the process. But to be where he's at right now, I think is really positive and gives you confidence of where maybe he could be this season or where he'll be at next season when he's 100% healthy. Seems like this is probably going to be a topic on every single Brooklyn buzz. Yeah. Uh, it's, it certainly helps for the content. 
whatever photo is out there. Um, and obviously, you know, we saw him wearing the, the number seven jerseys, which was still a little bit surreal because, you know, it's cool to see him in photo shoots and such. And it's cool to see Kyrie wearing that uh, that headband and afro again. Um, but it's still surreal because, you know, we haven't seen it on a basketball court. We haven't seen them shoot a hoop or, or dish a dime or whatever. But, you know, nevertheless, it's still positive news going forward. And, you know, we'd much rather be sort of hearing and, and analyzing the fact that he's walking with no limp than the fact that, you know, he's had a setback in his recovery. So hopefully uh, all things positive going ahead. But And there was also a rumor, sorry to cut you off, Jack, there was a rumor at the 2K release he still had a little bit of a limp. And for him not to have it now means that he's progressing nicely because obviously 2K came out really yeah, yeah it was, uh, 2K I think was out two or three weeks ago. Um, and I think it may be, you know, I, I think with this, uh, with the recovery from the Achilles, with the recovery from the Achilles, it's going to be a day-to-day thing. You know, you yeah. might have days where, you know, TMZ got the numbers out. And he, yeah, it, it, and maybe just, you know, it happened to be that day he was feeling a little bit stiff. Um, so I think that we might be overanalyzing it, but, you know, that's what a podcast is for. Um, <laughs> and I think we'll sit with KD because he's been very active on social media, which we love. He's my guy. Um, and it was in relation to, to Magic Johnson and sort of saying that, you know, if he wasn't going to be happy in Golden State, why is he going to be happy in Brooklyn? And uh, Katie, he tweeted out a, a response and then it was deleted. Um, and he wrote a horrible take, just regurgitated bullshit. Um, my guy's on the mark. Yeah, he is. I mean, at least he's willing to speak his mind. I know he deleted it, but Magic Johnson just like, you don't even know what you're talking about. We knew this when you were part of the front office of the Lakers. You really don't have a great feel for the NBA at this point. And just to say like, oh, if you're not going to be happy in Golden State, where are you going to be happy? Like, what do you know about Kevin Durant's happiness and what he wants? I think it's just kind of stupid for people to say like, what makes somebody else happy? Because you don't know what life is life is for them. Yeah, I think that I mean, you go on first take, you're going to get these questions, uh, especially when it pertains to one of the biggest superstars in the league. Um, But Kevin Durant is going to be quiet about it. And I think that, you know, he'll delete it, but it's always going to be out there. We know what he sort of is like as a personality. And um, I think, you know, however he finds happiness, who cares? You know, I don't understand, you know, why we analyze, you know, we can analyze these these people as basketballers. And, you know, I think that we probably dive deep too much into their psyches and, you know, maybe that's a little bit rich coming from people who do a Brooklyn Nets podcast and have done team and have their own team podcasts as well uh, and general NBA podcasts. Um, but I think that we need to let KD be KD and like, you know, just let him do his thing, like Kyrie do his thing. Uh, I'm going to criticize them um, when, when it's warranted. You know, I was, when Kyrie was, I, I was skeptical about the Kyrie signing, you know, in terms of, you know, chemistry and, and leadership and such. Um, I'm gravitating towards it now, but I think that, you know, we're, let them be who they are. Let them find their happiness. Let them go on their own journey um, without just these random stupid impediments along the way. You know, Magic Johnson just, he seems to me like a guy that just loves the sound of his own voice. Yeah, he definitely does. I mean, he literally quit his job so he could tweet. <laughs> yep. Essentially, he that was literally a reason for it. And it doesn't mean I don't have a huge respect for Magic Johnson. And as a personality, the NBA is better when we have Magic Johnson around and doing his thing. But, um, you know, just um, to, to quote, you know, LeVar Ball, stay in your lane. Like, let, let Kevin Durant do his thing. Um, but, you know, Magic's always going to speak. But, uh, Nick, I think we've got uh, a couple other sort of things to touch on. And I think that one of the main ones is that uh, I woke up to the Bleach Report notification that Sham Sharani report that the Nets are unlikely to sign Carmelo Anthony. Um, I guess it goes against the grain in terms of what we were sort of thinking in terms of that the, as the days go by, it sort of seemed more and more likely. 
Yeah, it definitely did. I think Sean Marks just decided, you know, it's too much of a risk. And one thing I think we probably didn't discuss enough is the amount of pressure we put on Kenny Atkinson, having Melo in there, now already adding Kyrie and possibly Katie later in the season, and even just having more vets around and more expectations for the season. That's just another personality for him to manage. So I think the the cons kind of outweigh the pros in that situation. So Sean is probably going to go with somebody, you know, with a little bit less star power or less name and bringing less attention to the Nets and what's going to be probably that 10th or 11th spot on the bench. Yeah, and the names that were reported, um, Lance Thomas, Luol Dang, Dante Cunningham, former Net Dante Cunningham, and CJ Williams. We discussed a little bit before we started recording. Um, who Rank those guys for me in terms of preference who you would want to see in a Brooklyn Nets uniform um, during some point uh, of next season. Uh, it's really tough. I mean, I think a lot for those guys all depends on health because a lot of them have dealt with injuries. You look at Lance Thomas. He's had a lot of injuries with the Knicks that kind of prevented him to be at his highest level. Luel Dang, I think he had a good stint with the Timberwolves for a little bit. Then he was out the rest of the season. So, And Dante Cunningham is a guy who's dealt with injuries in his whole career as well. So it's really tough. And I, this is kind of a cop-out, but which guy is probably 100% healthy and closest to playing at his highest level? Obviously, a lot of those guys are up there in age. Maybe, you know, you sign up more than one of them to a training camp deal and you can kind of get a feel for them that way. Yeah, the Nets have two roster spots left. I'm hoping Jalen Hands gets one of them. You know, he's been, of all the sort of media that I've seen of him, he's working out in Nets gear. He seems to be, you know, really immersed and really wanting to do it. So I'd love to have him as the, the 15th guy on the roster and hopefully play for the G League. Um, but out of those guys, you know, Dante Cunningham was good for us. You know, I, I, if we were to get him, I wouldn't be unhappy. I wouldn't be unhappy with, you know, Luol Dang either. You know, I was saying to you off the pod, in terms of we spoke about sort of veteran presence, as a sort of veteran presence, I think Luol Dang's probably the best version of that. If you're looking for like a Jared Dudley sort of type, you know, he's had success. He's had adversity to deal with across the league. You know, he might not obviously be... Uh, at the best level, um, but you know, you're not asking for, for 20 minutes from him from a night. You're asking for spot-up minutes, and you're asking for him to be a veteran locker room presence that can sort of you know, solidify everything, provide that chemistry that we talked about earlier in the pod. And then Lance Thomas as well, obviously a, a former uh, New York Nick. It'd be funny as well. Just uh, another little little stab and a little dagger in the heart to, for the Knicks fans if the if the Nets are to, to be successful and Lance Thomas was to somehow uh, find himself uh, with the Brooklyn Nets, it'd be pretty funny. But uh, I wouldn't hate any of these guys. You know, if I'm ranking them, I'd probably go Lance, Wild, Dante, and then CJ. So probably the order um, that was reported. But I, I, there's no the the space between my rankings is, is very minimal. So three years ago, Durant said, Lance Thomas is my favorite player and person in the league. So I don't know. That could play some part in that. And I honestly think if Lance Thomas was 100% healthy, he'd be the best player of that group. And he kind of fits that utility role that the Nets could need having so much talent in the scoring department and having a guy like Lance Thomas who could possibly defend in multiple positions if healthy and give you some of those hustle plays, but also be a veteran in the locker room because I think he's very well liked across the league. I think you got to tweet that out, Nick, because I think that could certainly get some traction. Um, but uh, we'll get to our last question, and it's via a, a response from uh, on Twitter to, to a tweet that I put out. Um, and I'm not expecting you to, to sort of – I, I want to hear your takes, but I've got some stats to sort of back it up. And uh, fan of Sector 2814, at fan of Sector 2814, uh, can you guys, uh, guys give us a deep dive of DeAndre versus Jared Allen? I'm hearing a lot of people write Jared uh, Jordan off like he's definitely worse than Allen now. Some advanced stats to make the case for who's better would go a long way. 
You know, I think DeAndre, the last year or so, or last two years, he hasn't necessarily played at his highest level. He hasn't played like the DeAndre we've seen in the past. Some of that is due to, you know, loss of athleticism, but some of that is just, you know, dealt to him just not trying as hard in the situations he's in. So I think a lot really depends on DeAndre's play is going to be at the level he comes to camp and how hard he's out there. And we've discussed this in the past. Having Kyrie and Katie around should help to get him back to a high level. I don't think it's a lock that Jared Allen's going to start. I think Jared Allen is probably going to play more minutes because he's a younger guy. DeAndre is up there in age a little bit. And like I said, lack of athleticism, that's kind of been a big benefit his whole career. But I don't have it completely ruled out that DeAndre is not going to start. I think we were talking on the next season preview that's going to drop in the NBA outlet this week that we could see a possibility of DeAndre starting. So I don't think it's locked in stone like some Nets, fan are ma- Nets fans are making it seem. No, I, I think it's probably the most contentious spot on the roster right now. Uh, and for obvious reason, in, in terms of the stats, you know, looking at a little bit of basketball reference, um, I didn't look at DeAndre Jordan's numbers from last season. I went to 2017-18, where he was a little bit healthier, had a bit more consistency. Um, and when we're going to per 36 numbers, you know, Jared Allen uh, out edges DeAndre Jordan 15 points to 13.8. Um, he edges him as well in the blocks department, 2.1 to 1.1. That's the area where I think DeAndre really needs to get more engaged in. If he wants that starting spot, he's going to be more need to be more defensively engaged. Uh, but the rebounding numbers is where DeAndre sort of absolutely slaughters Jared. You know, 17.4 per 36 minutes compared to 11.5. Um, I think that, you know, I don't think that any one of these guys has solidified it for themselves yet. And you know, we just spoke about, you know, I think Jared Allen has a bit more finesse as an offensive player, whereas DeAndre Jordan has a bit more verticality and I think a bit more strength down low. And I like his back-to-the-basket game. And I like some of his passes. I did a little bit of a breakdown for Nets Republic. So I like DeAndre Jordan's game right now because it is what it, it's as refined as it's going to get, whereas Jared Allen is still growing uh, in confidence in terms of the offensive game. DeAndre has also improved his free throw percentage, but Jared Allen is still a much better three free throw shooter in terms of he's always generally been above 70% across his career. Um, so I, I, it's almost like a neck and neck sort of race. And I think that if you want to look at the sort of individual advanced stats of, in, of offensive and defensive rating, you know, in, in 2018-19, Jared Allen had an individual offensive rating of 123. DeAndre Jordan in 2017-18, when he played 77 games, had an individual offensive rating of 125. The defensive rating for Allen, 106. And the defensive rating for Jordan, 105. So, Jondre Jordan wins there by like just a point or two. Um, it, it's very, very negligible. So, I think that's why it's so hard to sort of pick. And I, and I think it, it, it's, it, it's, an, it's a correct question that we got um, from Fan of Sector 2814 that, you know, DeAndre Jordan shouldn't be written off because a lot of the stats do favor him, you know, rebounding and, 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 and especially, uh, and obviously he is improving as a three throw shooter. Um, he is probably more, uh, more solidified in his offensive game uh, and hopefully he gets better as a defender. But, you know, Jared Allen, I think is a better player right now. But that doesn't mean he should start. Um, it, it's going to be probably one of the number one topics. And when we hear from more from Sean Marks tomorrow, maybe someone in the media will ask him and the media days are coming up. It's going to be interesting. Training camp's just around the corner too. Yeah, and I think one thing to consider too about who starts is the rest of the starting lineup. You know, if you're starting really small and you want more size out there, like you mentioned, DeAndre's a bigger guy. He's obviously older and stronger. So you might want to go with Jordan, especially because he's the more dominant rebounder. But right now, if Jared Allen comes in great and improves a lot, it's his spot. Like, he can easily win that spot if he plays really well and you hit the weight room hard this summer. But you kind of have a better idea of what you're getting with DeAndre. 
if he's able to kind of get back to that high level you referred to in 17 and 18. And then also just some of the things, the small details, like you mentioned, the passing, knowing when to set a screen, just knowing that having the different experiences in the NBA to help you win games. But like I said, Jared still has a lot of room to grow and he just has more tools and the three-point shot of, you know, Jared's able to shoot 33% or just shoot one three a game, that could be the difference in having a guy that yep. can impact the offense so much more. So there's just so many different variables, and a lot of it we won't know until the training camp starts, or we won't even know maybe until the season starts because it's how they perform on the floor and against the competition. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think that one thing that's going to be really intriguing as well, and Cam um, jumped in the comments as well, that you know, there's a, a huge potential for Kyrie and DJ pick and rolls. I'm, I'm, I think that because of the chemistry between those two up to court, I think that they're going to have some really uh, fun on-court chemistry as well. So um, I think it's going to be like a lot of the topics that we discussed on today's pod, Nick. Some of these pods, uh, some of these topics are certainly going to linger, uh, and they could change. They might not change. We might be discussing the same sort of thing, but uh, there's going to be content nonetheless. 100%. And I think another thing to consider, too, is the Nets have a lot of creators. And if you have to put Jared on the Jared Allen on the bench with Spencer Dinwiddie, that's not bad because those two would just dominate second units. And maybe DeAndre's not as good as, as Jared Allen, but he might fit better with the starting lineup and you might be able to work better with Kyrie because of the relationship they had prior. Exactly, exactly. But um, plenty of stuff we've discussed, Nick. Um, it's always fun doing a news pod. I enjoy the player preview series, but... Always good to, to do different versions of the Brooklyn Buzz. And thank you to all that uh, contributed to, to the comments as well. I, I know I only put it out um, you know, probably 10 or 15 minutes ago, but I appreciate it. Everyone who jumped in and everyone who's listening right now. Plenty more to discuss. And, you know, Sean Marks is doing stuff with the media tomorrow. I'm sure that we could probably do another pod tomorrow about it. But uh, we'll keep up to date with the news. Don't worry about that. Yeah, who knows? We might drop another pod tomorrow. And like Jack mentioned, player season previews are coming out. We got Kyrie, Karis LeVert looking like either Joe Harris or Spencer Dinwiddie be up next. We appreciate all you guys listening in. Obviously, you can find the show on iTunes, Blog Talk Radio, OTGBasketball.com, NetsRepublic.com, Google Play, Dash Radio, and YouTube. And if you want a Brooklyn Buzz t-shirt, head to Design Tree slash Off the Glass. Use discount code OTG5 to save yourself $5. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.